Welcome back, Intimates. Thank you so much for actively making intimate interactions possible with Patreon. I'm excited to share intimate conversations with you so you can live your most connected, enriched, and authentic life. Happy Valentine's Day, Intimates. Today I bring you a special interview that I got with Reed Mahalko. Normally, my new episodes are going to publish on Patreon first, and then come out for free nine months later on Intimate Interactions RSS on Stitcher, iTunes, and everywhere else podcasts are found. This episode is an exception and will air for everyone on Valentine's Day as a gift. If you find the quality better than my free episodes, or maybe the intro is a little shorter, maybe consider trying out my Patreon for a month and see if you like it. I have sessions with Sophia Sky at Pan Eros Foundation in Seattle, and in a week, I'm going to be recording with the podcast hosts of Escape Pod about intimacy in being a podcaster. Escape Pod has been running about 12 years, and though the hosts haven't been with it since its inception, it's part of Escape Artists, which is a thriving podcast community. There's lots of cool podcasts to check out there, cool podcasters, and cool podcast listeners. There's also a lot of volunteers that help make the show possible. Finally, at West Coast Bound, I was able to get an, I was able to get Melina Williams to agree to do some podcast episodes with me, though we haven't recorded them yet. If you don't know about Melina, the content that human puts out is just incredible. All right, enough promo. Let's talk about the episode. So I was invited by Jazz Goldman, a Comet partner of mine and sex educator living in New York, to read Mahalko's birthday party in his home. After picking Jazz up and driving to Reed and Allison's place, we enjoyed hot tubbing and an afternoon orgy with some fellow sex educators. I spent the night with Jazz in Reed's spare room. While I'm failing at making breakfast sounds happen for my ambiance, um, Reed comes into the kitchen and offers me some coffee. I'm trying to get coffee. I would love some coffee. I'm recording, by the way. You are? Yes, I'm trying to get uh, the sound of eggs sizzling. Oh, yes. That would be hard to do. Um, <laughs> the, the egg sizzling, you would need to, well, you don't need my opinion or something. <laughs> Typical white man just starts telling people how they should have done it. <laughs> but those eggs look fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited to eat them. Thank you for making coffee. He then offers me a tour of his office. This setup here. Mm-hmm. Is one of those little tables that with the adjustable legs. Okay. That you can use when you're sitting on the couch. Okay. Um, but I. And then you just literally built like a holster for it to go into. Yeah, because this then. On his computer setup, I noticed something familiar among his dozens of browser tabs. Is that my voice's consent stuff? Probably. That's crazy. It looks like that actually is my website. It is probably. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. There's a bunch of things I'm, I'm, I'm tracking and trying to mm. figure well, out how I want to... I'm flattered that you're looking at my website. See, that's not even a plant. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I hit one tab. Yeah. I introduce Reed to one tab, the free browser extension that is not paying me to talk about them, and his inner West Coaster comes out. <laughs> Dude, I'm this so is good. good. It is Thank really you. good. It is Thank good. you you're so welcome. much. You're welcome. That's perfect. He's clearly very excited and always interested in new solutions to help other educators get their best content out and do their best work. Wow. wow or you wow, just wow, click wow, restore wow. all and Dude, then you're back to how you were before. That is genius. I'm going to shoot a little <laughs> video just on that. <laughs> Sweet. About an hour before I take my partner to the airport, Reed and I get around to finally recording a session. Do you want to record real quick? Yeah, let's do an go? actual recording cool. before let's, I go. Let's just sit downstairs. Yeah, sounds good. 
I'm less dopey than I was in my post-orgy recording with jazz, but still a little euphoric from the night before, so bear with me as I try my best to take the recording seriously. We talk about cuddle parties, how power dynamics disrupt our ability to get consent, one of Reed's deal breakers, and much more. And with that, I'll welcome you to another post-orgy session of Intimate Interactions. Hi. Hi. Thank you for sharing this time with me. <laughs> You're welcome, Victor. Mm. Um, usually I tell everyone that I'm welcoming them to a session of Intimate Interactions, mm-hmm. but I think it's pretty clear what we're doing, so. All right. Yeah. Well, I, really... I, 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 I can welcome everyone. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't think about how I was going to intro you, mm-hmm. because um, I'm sitting here with Reed Mahalko, so... Well, do you usually... Uh, usually I talk about... Um, so if I were taking this more seriously, yeah. I would probably say um, that you were a co-creator of um, Cuddle Parties, mm-hmm. which is a a thoroughly fleshed out, in my opinion, approach to consent and negotiation that is vanilla friendly, mm-hmm. but feels inspired by a lot of alternative sex community experience, mm-hmm. even though there's no sex or kink involved. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting to me because that's a problem that I've I've thought about is like there are all these cool lessons that I've learned um, and and of course it's only like a fraction of the picture because each of our experiences can only be so much but I've learned all these things that I think are really cool in alternative sex communities and bringing that back and making it um, vanilla appropriate or even kid appropriate for mm-hmm. folks in I shouldn't say kids but universities even or high schools like well I mean kids. there there are people that there are facilitators who have who have run parent children cuddle parties um, and everyone got great results in that it was giving the kids permission to kind of absorb the information in the welcome circle which is accessible um, you mm-hmm. might want to change some of the examples like if you're doing with like sure. you know 11 year olds or something like that mm-hmm. but um, I mean I've, I've never run one for, for kids um, so you'd have to talk to somebody to see, to see you know how their feedback was but the, mm. the rules were uh, if I'm remembering correctly that the parents had to be there um, the kids initiated all the touch with any adults <clears throat> um, and the adults were there mostly to cuddle with each other and the kids included themselves in, in the cuddling As or, or not yeah right um, and it wasn't even that important if the kids cuddled or not. It was that the kids were part of the conversation. Right. And also seeing the adults have healthy, non-sexual touch. Right. Um, so that seemed to be the, the, the benefits that were, sh- that were re- reported back to me from the, the cuddle party facilitator that was nerding out. On that, that makes stuff. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, I think it's so healthy to model non-sexual touch and intimacy and just like and the negotiation of it right like oh may i put my hand here you know do you want to be big spoon little spoon like giving adults modeling for kids Mm -hmm. and also adults modeling for adults Mm -hmm. um ask permission before you touch it or engage with anyone like all these things and the Mm -hmm. cascade of all that stuff Mm -hmm. um i think that's very healthy and when cuddle party you know first came through as an idea um, it was for my friends and, and adults. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't designed, air quotes, for kids. Right. But I think that a lot of good ideas or wisdom, um, for me, one of the qualifiers for something that has a lot of, air quotes, wisdom in it, is that you can pretty much copy and paste it cross-platform. Mm-hmm. So good communication skills should be good communication skills 
in any situation. Yeah. Um, and that's the stuff that I'm interested in trying to figure out. And there, that can be considered problematic because in a certain way, like you're, you're, I'm unintentionally looking for a one size fits all, mm. you know, mm. uh, approach, which erases the idea of like situations should be taken on an individual basis or it doesn't erase. It can kind of bulldoze over. Got you. And at the same time, like mm-hmm. look both ways before you cross the street. Right. In a way is a one size fits all scenario. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If you are on fire, stop, <laughs> drop and drop roll. and roll, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so there's, uh, there's generally good advice that doesn't always apply. Yeah. yeah. But it, 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 um, yeah. Like I guess if you were on fire, Surrounded by flammable liquid, stopping and dropping and rolling would not be a good idea, <laughs> right? You know, so sure, yeah. sure. So again, like you know, I I'm I am looking for for ideas and approaches that are useful, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And the caveat there is, you also have to teach people how to think critically about situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, Cuddle Party's really, it, it turns 16 this year. That's so um, exciting. Yeah, it's really bizarre because I'm not involved with Cuddle Party anymore. Right. Um, but but it just keeps doing its thing. It's something that you kind of midwifed into the world. It. I'm very proud of all the people who put in all the hours to keep Cuddle sure. Party alive and the people sure. that have translated the welcome circle into different languages and Cuddle Party being done in different languages and different that's parts exciting. of the world. Like, that's just that's cool. weird that's and cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's super cool. Thank you, Cuddle Party people, for all that you yes, do. Yes, and all the humans involved in that because mm-hmm. there are tons of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so switching gears and talking sure. about relationships, do you want to talk a little bit about your identity, like queerness or um, yeah. what your identity is in relationship to relationships? Sure. Um, that's the so, most meta sentence ever. Yeah. It's the, well, I mean, now, now you had me at meta. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so the way that I would identify in shorthand, and again, like any identifiers really are just that. It's a, you know, it's a hashtag for ask me more. Yeah. Um, the, so I identify as a queer polyamorous slut. Um, there, I have many other identities, but because I walk amongst the, the sex geeks and the nerds, that's the shorthand that I like. Um, <clears throat> queer, meaning for me, it's an umbrella term that means not straight. Um, and then it's kind of the way that when, I, when I'm teaching workshops uh, and I'm including identity as, as a piece of, of things I'm covering, the way that I talk about being queer is it's kind of like if you're a jazz fan, like, and you meet another jazz fan, like mm-hmm. the next question is what kind of jazz? Cause <laughs> so jazz is just an umbrella term. Yeah. That's um, great. That's a great example. But if you're not a jazz fan, when somebody says they're a jazz fan, you're like, Oh, that's cool. Like, right. and it just, and you right. leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so it's also kind of a, if people want to ask questions about what does that mean to you? Great. Um, but other queers are like, oh, okay, what kind of queer are you? So right. we're, it's kind of a, a gateway into, are we on, you know, are we, are, do our Venn diagrams overlap? Right. Um, but I'm not trying to tell everybody mm-hmm. every time I meet them exactly the kind of queer that I am. Sure. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And then polyamorous for me, uh, you know, I identify as polyamorous. I have multiple relationships. I'm non-monogamous. And um, those relationships can include uh, love or not, 
but mm. emotional connections and, and love are a part of how I express my intimacy. Mm -hmm. And I'm also identifying as a slut, which means I'm promiscuous. And so I do have lots of sensual and erotic engagement with people that may or may not include any emotion quote unquote emotional intimacy in a similar way that musicians yep. um, might like getting together and just jamming with a bunch of strangers and then going home not craving to start a band with all these people. Right. Um, so for me, sensual and erotic engagement is a part of my self-expression um, and we can just jam um, or we can, you know, jam every time we see each other um, or we can, can we can have a conversation about starting a band. Yeah. And, um, and those are the analogies that I use when I'm talking to, to non um, sex, geeks. sex geeks. You know, what I would lovingly refer to as muggles sure. um, to steal from Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and, and the music analogy seems to help a lot of people who aren't, who are new to these ideas or have never right. encountered them to wrap their heads around like Okay. Because they've only ever been in bands. Yeah. Well, and you also have to, like, try to help them step out of all the sex negativity and all the shame. Right. Right. And 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 most people don't judge musicians. For jamming. For for jamming. And, and that jamming analogy seems to work pretty well as, a, as being a slut in the way that I identify with mm -hmm. it. Um, and again, you know, as we already established... Uh, everything uh, needs to be talked about more in depth, and there are exceptions to all these rules. Yes, I like the hashtags for Ask Me More. Yeah, that, that's a great way to talk about labels. Mm -hmm. As a relationship anarchist, I really jive with that. Well, and it also allows people like something something that Color Party didn't have in the beginning um, <clears throat> is any kind of nuanced conversation about power differentials. Mm. Like that's not anywhere in Cuddle Party. So mm -hmm. when people talk about Cuddle Party being like a consent workshop I you know in my head there's like a slight cringe because of like, there's an absence of this power conversation there's no I mean it might be in the cuddle party welcome circle format now mm. um, but 16 years ago no one was talking about power differentials uh, in the but way they, that we're starting to talk but about they weren't talking about that anywhere I mean except for in kink community and like in very specific subcultures mm -hmm. yeah yeah so, so me as the cuddle party facilitator asking somebody if they would like to cuddle because mm. I'm, I'm sensing or picking up that, that they're shy, that they, you know, they're trying to learn how to do something. So I'm helping them mm. um, by, by breaking the ice and inviting them. But also. Depending on who you're talking to, um, there's a really legitimate conversation about like you're the facilitator you initiating anything is problematic by its very nature because how do you know that that person can, can say yes or no? Give you a no, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, that's how I feel about it, too. I, I don't date my students. I, I do my very best to... Uh, oh, what's that new code that's coming out? The KECC or something? It's like the Kink Educator Code of Conduct. No. There's, a group in, there's a group in the U.S. that's producing it. I think they're in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like... Anyways, it's just a set of standards. <clears throat> not, yeah. not dating students, not... Um, not demoing on students in the class, like not mm -hmm. picking out a student and being like, hey, do you want to be in a demo while they're surrounded by like 40 peers being asked by a person they idolize, you know? Mm -hmm. Even if they're really a no to that thing, it can be very hard for them to find that voice. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great ideas uh, <laughs> and approaches to, um, to help mitigate 
upset and harm, like it's, it's a great harm reduction strategy. And in, in other areas of the community, people would be like, okay, so somebody like Midori comes to your workshop. Technically, she's an attendee, so now she's your student. Right. You think Midori doesn't have uh, agency over her yes and no. Right. Like, uh, like, in my opinion, Midori absolutely has agency over her yes and no in that um, I feel like she carries with her a certain power. But maybe that's because I've always been a student. In those interactions, hard to say. I don't know. Humans, man. Humans. And then, like, you take it from from facilitators. And again, like, this is not my. Uh, this is just good food for thought. And it is like, how do you give people general approaches that reduce harm and increase healthy outcomes, um, and also model decent approaches to real world situations because yeah. because now if you live in a small town somewhere um and you happen to like you know like you sure. are the community hub sure because you have you know uh, a backyard that and and a house that has plenty of parking and so you and you just like you've got this great barbecue grill and like so you you just happen to be the one throwing the meetup right or somebody else throws the meetup but it's your home right so now technically you're in a position of authority because it's your space right and you're in a small town and let's say it's a meetup for whatever like comic book gaming like it's it's people playing board games but you meet like the one other person that likes board games and likes the same types of stuff that you do and are you allowed to date them or not hmm Honestly, I'm such a, a risk-aware approach to these sorts of things mm-hmm. where, like, there are good general guidelines, but there are going to be, in my opinion, exceptions. And so long as there's a lot of conversation about power dynamics, I think there is efforts being taken to mitigate those power dynamics. And now we're back to the conversation of, like, when do you know somebody has their agency? Right. And if you're the one who's in a position of authority, I think the answer is you never know. Right. And I like, and so now we're we're firmly in the gray, right? Of like, hello everyone, like welcome to life, and yeah, and that's even tricky for me to say because I'm a cisgendered white guy who is a big fish in a small pond in my community. So mm. of course it's easy for me to say all that, <laughs> um, and yeah. that's where we kind of shift to, like, let people who are more mar- marginalized or who have less power, mm. let them have a lot more say in how this pans out. Sure. In the conversation, in initiation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so basically with the kink aware, you know, yeah. c- code of conduct, like if it's a bunch of white doms, yeah. uh, cis- cis- cisgendered, you know, yeah. men and, 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 you know, dommy doms yeah. making those protocols, I'm just going to be, I'm going to roll my eyes a little bit, yeah. even though they could be really great really well thought out protocols. Um, I feel like it's almost more likely that it's their submissives and property that are writing all the protocols because they're like, I don't want to do all that work, um, which oh, ironically might actually make, I, right? So what would come up would, would allow for better protocols in that. Um, I think it's hard. And this is where we're, we're, we're back to kind of community right. and being open to like everyone's feedback, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, is yeah. like, there are things that I just can't grok because, uh, you know, you can tell me about my privilege and, and I can understand the concept of privilege and I just am not going to have a visceral 
um, experience of how that pans out because that's just invisible to me in so many ways. Mm. And, and, and even if I start, if I can catch a glimpse of it from my peripheral, you know, vision, um, I, I definitely cannot see the nuance and the ripple effect that goes beyond me. Um, and this is why it's, I think it's important to, to try to, you know, encourage people with less power in your communities to, to offer feedback, mm-hmm. um, because you just can't, or I can't, I'll say for myself, like, I can't see the impact always. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this all applies somehow to my personal relationship because somehow we got on a tangent. We're doing the introduction. Yes, this was the introduction. And the introduction has been great. How long has this introduction been? It's only been 17 minutes. It's okay, not, perfect. It's not terrible. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so relationship stuff. Yeah. I- ask some questions. Cool. Um, wow, now my mind is going blank. Tell me a little bit about independence in your relationship with Alison Moon. Cool. Uh, so my primary partner is Alison Moon. We've been together uh, at this point almost 14 years, 13 and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be getting legally married at the end of this month for mostly for tax reasons and like just very pragmatic ideas because we've mm-hmm. considered ourselves married, married for a long time and also ethically as queers, um, didn't feel like it was appropriate for us to take advantage of all the benefits when our other queer friends couldn't get married and now in the U.S., can get married um, for now we can get married um so uh <laughs> so all that's happening and so we're right. like okay so now it feels like we can get married married um we've been together for a long time and our the way that we kind of talk about our relationships as primaries is it's not as much of a um as a hierarchical thing although it does pan out in certain ways that way um we own a house together, we share finances to, to a certain degree, um, and the way that primary works for me is that I consider or factor in my impact of making life decisions on Allison as I'm making them or you know, before I make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And, but other than that, we're pretty much free agents, so to speak. Um, and that Allison doesn't owe me anything except to honor our agreements and, and my relationship agreements with Allison and pretty much with everybody is um, around safer sex agreements, like do what you can to, to stay healthy, mm. not to risk each other's uh, sexual health mm-hmm. and emotional health, too. Um, and uh, don't compromise who you are. Mm. And then the only other agreement I have with anybody who's close to me is never lie to me. Sure. And my definition for lying is very specific, and it is that when you withhold information from me that you know will be to my detriment Mm. and also to your gain. Ooh, interesting. So if... So there's an essence of intention, almost, mm -hmm. that if a person seems to have... um, like if they've forgotten about something, it's not inherently a yeah. lie necessarily. Like there's a there's a difference for me between a mistake mm. and a lie, mm-hmm. because I grew up in a family that lied, and I did my time. Oof. And my agreement yeah. with Allison, and when we started really considering, you know, becoming life partners, I was like, listen, like here's the deal, here's my definition of lying. I grew up in that family. If you ever lie to me, we're done. Yeah. 
So know that. Like intentional dishonesty is just such a betrayal. Can you like, you know, take a day or two to think about it and let me know. Um, And what was so funny about that is with Allison, like a day later, she's like, okay, so here's the deal. I love lying. (laughs) So much fun. And I'm like, cool, man. Like, I don't have a problem with that. But if we're going to continue this, like, you have to promise me you will never lie to me. And if you break that promise, cool. Just know that there's no redo on that. Like, yeah. we're done done. Yeah. That is a, that's a deal breaker for me. Yeah. Um, so, so we're highly intra, interdependent. Is that the right word? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, interdependent in that you rely on yourselves very much. Yeah, but, but we share everything. Like, so, so basically like when Allison started applying for grad school, like she was already applying to grad school before she remembered to tell me about it. Right. And then some of my friends were like, what? That's a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, like if Allison wants to go to grad school, then Allison goes to grad school. And they're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, let Allison go to grad school. Like what is, I don't (laughs) even understand the question. Right. Um, and so as we both follow like what we need to do for ourselves, um, we weave into that like how how we as a couple want to be a part of all that mm-hmm. um, and we have I mean there are times when we have other conversations like when we decided to leave Oakland um, and move to Portland like we had all the conversations and what that would mean and what would be a good fit and yada 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 mm-hmm. um, and it's understood that if we get to a place where we're not a good fit for each other, we'll have the conversation about either transitioning the relationship, adjusting it accordingly, um, or, you know, breaking up. And for us, you know, one of the reasons that I'm so appreciative of Allison in my life and I feel so safe with her is I know that she'll leave me if she needs to, Mm. or if I fuck up enough, like she has her, her own bottom lines on things. Yeah. Um, so like, she won't compromise who she is for this relationship. And that's something that I need. Like everyone's different. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that like, you know, everyone needs to do relationships the way that Allison and I do, but we're free agents, you know, even at, at play parties and things like that. Like we, you don't have to check in with Allison to play with me. And it is funny because when people do check in with her, she's like, why are you checking in with me? Like, you should be asking Reed if he wants to play. And I know that people are just being respectful and considerate. Sure. sure. But the, that consideration is something that, that I mean, I, I appreciate when people want to check in with me and see if it's okay to, to, you know, play with Allison. But I'm just like, I'm chuckling on the inside because I'm sure. like, oh, like, that's so considerate of you. And... You don't need to. Yeah, that would be like like you knocking on my door to to get permission if it's okay for you to walk in front of my house, and I'm like, I don't understand the question. <laughs> like, I, I, it's a free street. Yeah, but but it is be like I, you know I'm I'm sorry, but I'd like to walk in front of your home. Is that okay? And I'm like, I don't understand. Like you're being overly considerate. But yes, you can walk in front. But of my yes, home. if you need that permission, please. Then yeah. by all means, approach Allison. <laughs> And, and if Allison is a yes, enjoy yourselves. That was my, my very first and second scenes in BDSM mm-hmm. were like that, where the first one was a person getting birthday beats, and the second one um, was a person who was partnered. And I remember, and, and she was femme, and her partner was mask. And I went over to the mask partner and was like, oh, is, is it okay? And he did it literally that. He laughed and almost put his like 
a hand to his face, like mm-hmm. kind of face palming. I was like, anything she's okay with, I'm okay with. Yeah, and and in certain subcultures, like like in in kink space, mm-hmm. like certain protocols, like high protocol demands, right, or requests mm-hmm. that you don't speak to the sub. Right. You speak to to the the dom or mm-hmm. master or whatever uh, you know identifies they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, and in swing community, and this is where I always you know trip over the rug of, of lifestyle swinger protocol. Right. Is I'm treating everybody like your your uh, free agents, and it is considered like super considerate to check in with the husband or the wife, like whatever the thing is, like like you deal with each individual as a couple right and to not consider them or treat them as a couple right unless they tell you you don't have to right um is considered impolite so again it's just kind of noticing different subcultures protocols um and not making any of them wrong or any of them unevolved sure sure yeah, that's how I feel too. I'm, I'm not here to be judgmental on how people enjoy running their mm-hmm. lives. I just know how I like to run my life. Yeah, and and, it, and again, like and, and like that subculture stuff is really just the culture inside of that community. Like any, mm-hmm. it's not any different than, you know, how you hand a business card to somebody, you know, yeah. when you're Japanese versus you yeah. know, when you're uh, American. Sure, They're, things are different, and it's kind of neat and nerdy to know the protocols. And consider it to like honor somebody or tip your hat to somebody else's culture, um, totally. just as a show of, of um, respect or just congeniality. Like mm-hmm. like you give a fuck enough to educate yourself on somebody else's subculture. Yeah. Um, to make them feel seen, um, I think that that's just cool. And you know, then we can have a conversation about, you know harm reduction in, in subculture settings and, you know, yeah. whether, you know, treating people as property and I have to check in with your dom before <laughs> I even talk to you, bless you. Thank you. You know, like whether that is actually, you know, appropriate, appropriate or healthy or, air quotes. Sure, around sure, that. sure. So now we're just in the land of, I'm judging right. somebody else's culture. Is it, is it appropriate or desired? Or, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the people in the room that get to make that decision, mm-hmm. you know? not so much me from the outside. Yeah. And then hopefully, you know, people are choosing things uh, that that are very congruent for them and bring them joy, not choosing things that are that are choosing things just be, so that they can fit in. Right. Yeah. And that's part of finding your sub community, mm-hmm. like find the place where the value system around you really is in alignment with your own value system, where you can feel really happy and like. Yeah, satisfied, just fulfilled. There's yeah. a sense of being fulfilled in those communities. And so with Allison and I, you know, like a lot of a lot of things that we just end up being a really, really good fit for each other, like how we like to live, mm-hmm. how we like to socialize. You know, like we're very different in certain ways. Whereas I'm mm-hmm. I'm a huge extrovert. Um, Allison's more of an ambivert or introvert, sure. high functioning, uh, you know, introvert. And you know, at the same time, when we when she and I co-teach open relationship classes, like talking about different kinds of styles of open relating. Mm. Um, we talk about like, like lone wolves and primary wired folks and, uh, fixed pairs. And then like dolphin pod people. I'm a dolphin pod people. I think I'm I, also I tra- a dolphin I travel, pod people. I travel in packs often. Mm-hmm. Um, and Allison very much identifies as a lone wolf. Um, but what's great is she's also a pack animal. 
just very, you know, not always into the packs. So when she needs, you know, more people around her, like, ta-da! Like, I'm usually rolling with, with my pod of dolphins. Um, you can so, come visit. Yeah, so she can, like, dip in and dip out. And then some people are like, you know, Allison left the, the play party. Is everything okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, she's probably just reading a comic book or playing a game. They're yeah, like, she just wants some time. But why isn't she here? I'm like, because she's probably reading a comic book or playing, playing a game. Because <laughs> like, she doesn't What's the problem? Yeah. And, but other people feel like something's wrong. Right, right. Because, you know, your partners didn't stay. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I get your concern. But, like, nothing's wrong. Mm. Like, Allison's full. Mm. Or Allison wants to go read a comic book or play a, or game. Play a game rather than, than, you know, be at a play party fucking a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, so those things for, for she and I are really good fits because her leaving in my nervous system is her taking care of herself. Um, so nothing's wrong. And if something actually is wrong, like if she leaves because she's triggered about something, she'll talk to me later about it because sure. I have evidence that she won't hold things back from me um, yeah. and our processing styles are, are very similar so there's trust there that yeah. you know that there's safety that this can be brought up later and that you can do repair or healing yeah. work yeah yeah and that's and again like in the family that i grew up in like that was something that trust grew in our relationship where because in my family people didn't talk about things and then they just festered Right, so you had to be right, on high right. alert to like try to figure out if anything was wrong. Oh, telepathy the, before the bomb exploded. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is the alternating style of communication—the passive communication mm -hmm. until the explosion that becomes aggressive communication, yeah, yeah. which is not the same thing as passive aggressive, which is a dose of both at the same time. I'm in, a, I'm in a counseling program right now. So. Ooh, I never thought of it like that. It's like the passive-aggressive triangle. Yeah, because you've got like passive and aggressive at the same time, where yeah. people are like, "Oh, like it must be nice," or like, "Oh, look, my water's my water's low." <laughs> yeah. As the server walks by, <laughs> it's like you you could also just make Say, a request hey. directly, like, "Hey, is it possible I could get some water?" Yeah. Have more of like an assertive um, communication rather than an aggressive one that's like, I can't believe you didn't fill my water, and like, you should go mm -hmm. and get me water right now. Um, that well, wouldn't passive then be, I'm not going to say anything, right. and then that's hope right. you notice? That's right. Okay, and then passive aggressive is, is I'm, passivity I'm subtweeting in, a, in all caps. <laughs> You're vague booking, yes. Exactly. And then, and then this, if, if we were going to say that the middle of the triangle, and again, you're studying this, I'm just, I'm pulling this out I'm of my Honestly, ass. I'm studying it as like a yeah. patient in a, okay. in a counseling program. So, so the healthy version is that you, yeah. you're either stepping out of the triangle or the center of the triangle is like, hey, like I'm, could use some water. It, it is kind of stepping out of the triangle. It is related mm -hmm. to all those things, too. Um, the idea is that aggressive seeks to control other people, whereas, pa like, so you're prioritizing your needs above all other needs mm -hmm. in a way that demands other people serve your needs. Which would be different than I'm just exp I'm just angry right. and not trying to push it down. Right. Because anger I'm, can be healthy too. I'm expressing my anger, but I'm actually not trying to control everybody. Right. Which is tricky because people respond to anger in their own ways. Definitely. And um, there's trauma-informed stuff around that. Got it. But, okay. Yeah. So then with the passive stuff, yeah, it's like not even... Like if someone is being gently assertive and it's like, yeah, I'd like to go to the 
the park or something and someone very passive might have a desire that like almost comes out and then and then oh no 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 we can go to the park if you want to go to the park let's go to the park mm -hmm. um so it very much is prioritizing other people's needs to the detriment of your own mm -hmm. whereas assertive communication is much more about like i'm going to voice what my needs are without any attempt to coerce other people into doing them it's just mm -hmm. gonna be like hey i'm showing up here the things i yeah. need how are folks doing in the room? And if yeah. other folks are assertive as well and they show up with their needs, then you can often have communication and get mm -hmm. all of your needs met, ideally. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so to some extent, we all draw on passive and aggressive and passive-aggressive communication styles in different unique circumstances. Mm -hmm. But aggressive would be different than... Um, uh, I like assertive in a certain way because mm -hmm. aggressive... Because the, the, something that I nerd out with and mm -hmm. at this point, if you're still listening to this, then you get that we're, we're deep Nerds. down the rabbit hole yes, of nerdery, um, is the difference or the distinctions around um, I'm advocating for things or I'm making suggestions or I'm initiating. Like when is initiation an mm -hmm. invitation, initiating mm -hmm. an invitation or a request, when is that aggressive mm. versus assertive i'm just inviting people to to do things like like i'm oh i i'm aware of i would like to go to the movies would is anyone up for going to the movies or you know so a, one thing that i found as a strategy for that mm -hmm. and i don't use it all the time is decoupling the ask so that they have to get back to me if they desire it so making the ask like I would really like to do this cool stuff, or even at like uh, an orgy or wherever, mm -hmm. being like, you know, I think you're a super cute human, I'm super into these things. If you're interested, just let me know sometime tonight. Mm -hmm. And then just changing the subject or moving on. And then you've made the request, you've stated your needs, and you've also been like, and I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna hang on you for an answer. You don't have to answer me, you don't have to say no or yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested and you're a so yes I to leave that. The, the ball in your court. That's right. I'm going to place this ball over here. It is. I think it's a very fun ball. If you don't like it, you can just boot it over that fence as soon as I turn my back. Mm -hmm. But instead of sitting there waiting, watching what they do with the ball. Yeah, which can create pr pressure and a certain like t ticking clock. So I kind of like that leaving the ball in their court because it's kind of a fun, flirty thing to do too, mm -hmm. especially if the other person is into it. And if they're not into it, you never wanted them to say yes anyway. So it's perfect, I think. Or at least it's what it's, I'm going it's with. Better. It's better. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, better. No well, I don't think we, we will get to perfect. Because no. then I, I'm, I'm like, well, what if they're... What if the power What if they, yes. you're in a position of power or authority, right. or yes. they just want to be accepted? Yes. And now they're, are they saying yes because they, they want to be a cool kid and be a yep. part of the thing? Maybe they're wanting um, some status. Maybe they want your... Uh, they want to build... Um, they have mistakenly assumed that, that will get them status. Yeah. Or, or you know, their particular trauma response is fawning. Ooh. Yeah. And you just asked something that was triggery. Totally. And now they're, trying, not they're saying yes because they want to get close to you because that's the safest place, safest place for them to go. Yeah. Places for them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's no, there's no, there's perfect. no perfect. Everything is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even, even in my accountability pro process, yeah. um, which if people are interested in, you can go to tinyurl.com, read account, read accountability and it's REID. Um, Angel Adioha, who is one of my support team people, um, really kind of boils it all down to fuck up better. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Angel's lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely need to do a podcast with Angel at some point. Yeah. Angel mm -hmm. is a good, 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 good human. Angel is a busy blessed. human. Angel is a busy human. 
Many, many good humans are busy humans. This is true. This is true. Um, I think we covered almost... We covered a lot. We covered a lot. We did. I don't know if it was linear, but... I don't think it needs to be. <laughs> well, it's your podcast. <laughs> yeah, good luck trying to re- re-edit this to be something right. linear. To be, to be something even <laughs> comprehensible, perhaps. I'm just going for comprehensible. If I can get it to a comprehensible point, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. I'm just trying not to waste people's time. Oh, you're definitely not <laughs> wasting my time. I, even even when we have more meandering conversations, mm-hmm. I usually pick something up that is useful for me that I can walk away with and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's helpful. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Victor. Thank you so much. So how was it, Intimates? Let us know on Patreon or start a discussion on Facebook. And if you want to keep being super awesome, you can help us out by going and leaving us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Social proof like that helps so much. You can also just tap share on this episode and send it to someone you think might like it. Thanks so much for helping build the community and the show. I look forward to chatting with you on Discord or writing back and forth on Patreon. The intro music was Show Me, the instrumental version by Josh Woodward, and this outro music is Arrival by How the Night Came. Thank you so much.